Thank you so much. She said she gets nervous. I get nervous every week as well. And I'm so pumped to be here this week. Man, I am like fired up. I can't even tell you. There were some people that came in this morning, and I like I jumped on them at the door, like, "Hey, how are you? How are you? I'm saying, I miss you." And like, I was like, "Okay." Um, and there's no coffee going on in my life right now. I promise. So, um, this is just real, pure enthusiasm. I uh, I do have uh, a pretty cool word for you. Um, just want to set the bar real quick. Um, before we get into this conversation, the Lord kind of gave me an, an extra set of passage that isn't in the notes, Lee, so I'm going to start with something else as we get in here, but I'm going to kind of conversate first, and then we'll, we'll dialogue. We all, I hope that we're here because we, um, we love God, right? I mean, I think that's kind of the consensus here. We all are very much more interested in God, and there's a lot of things going on in our lives. I reread a quote last week that I thought was perfect for today by C.S. Lewis, and he said, we seldomly hunger for the things of the Lord because we're full from eating at the table of the world. And I realize that that's so true in our lives that we, I do love God, but what's what difficult that we have against us, I remember I was talking to a missionary that was um, one of the guys we support, he lives in Egypt, and he's um, in the 1040 window, and he's persecuted. And he, he, he can't have his kids living with him because he's, he's targeted and uh, his kids can be killed. And we were talking about like the disadvantages that he has. And he was thinking that, you know, he said, it's easier for me to live for God over there than it is for you guys to live for God here in the States because you're inundated with stuff everywhere. There, it's one focus. You're all in. And here, it's hard because we all love God. But there are so many things in our lives that we do now love also. And it, gets, it competes for the love of God. Everything, sports, time, school, your kid's education, uh, everything. Even just, I mean, right now you have 15 things on TV that you've TiVo'd that you have not yet seen. Uh, I mean, just life is competing for your attention and your love. And with that being said, I want to kind of start off with a passage that I thought was kind of neat and we'll start this time, and we'll see where it goes. I'm going to read this real quick. Now behold, two of the disciples were traveling the same day from the village called Emmaus. It was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked and walked together all of these things that had happened. And so it was that while they conversated and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained. And they did not see or know him. Uh, let me set the passage up a little bit for you. There's two disciples. They don't give us their names that knew Christ and were grieving when Christ was crucified. And this is the day after that he has been resurrected. These disciples aren't aware of this yet. And they're conversating and talking about the reality that their friend, their loved one, the, their, their mentor, the one that they want to model their life after, is is dead and they're grieving and this man walks with them and it's Jesus and they don't recognize him in this process and I, I, I just wonder for a second how many things in our lives is God trying to do as we love him as we walk with him that we fail to recognize what he's saying and what he's doing 
I know that the scripture says very clearly that God, he would never leave me nor forsake me, that he is with me even to the ends of the earth. So he's always with me, but how is it that I am not recognizing him in my life? And that bothers me. I don't know about any of you, but I, I love my wife with all of my heart, but I love Jesus more than her. The things that he does for me, she can't do for me. The things that God has done in my life and, and how he's restored me and how he's, he's, he's been so faithful and how he's provided and how he's given me strength, it's, there's no one on earth that can do for me what he has done. And man, I am hungry for him and yet I find in my life complacency. I find in myself just a contentment that my love for him is just okay. I rebuke that logic in all of us. I pray that nothing, no relationship in your life is just okay. That our marriages are not just okay as they are. That our friendships are not just okay. That our callings are not just okay. That our relationship with our kids are not just okay as they are. We want to make things that matter, matter most. I mean, let's make it count. Let's be intentional. So with all that being said, I, I've, I've, man, I'm, I'm excited about today. I'm really quite nervous about what I get a sense God is doing. I, man, I've never, I don't think I've ever known that God is about to launch such a thing in our community like I do right now. It's about to get crazy up in here, yo. Here we go. I don't know if you know it, but we are all, um, the, the, the model of Christianity was, was never to make Christians. I've talked about this before. The model of Christianity was, was to make disciples. It was the Great Commission, to go into all the nations, the highways and the byways, and, and to make disciples. Go and make disciples, not Christians. There's a big difference between what a Christian is and what a disciple is. What do you mean? A Christian believes. A disciple is becoming like Jesus. That's the plan. That's what God wants for your life, is that He wants you to look like Jesus, to act like Him, to talk like Him, and more difficult, to respond like Him. And so this is what's going on in our lives, is He's trying to get us to look and act and be anointed and become more and more like Him. Yet I find in my life, sometimes, some days, are just blah. I'm going to take you to some cool things I found here in Scripture. And as I read this passage, I kind of get a sense that Jesus himself is talking to me, even based on this story. This word may not be for you. Maybe it was just for me, but I think it's going to be pretty rad. Here we go. Well, let's pray first. Jesus, whew, yep, help. Amen. Here we go. Uh, this is in Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 18. And when a crowd came, uh, and when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Can you see this? Guy throwing himself at Jesus' feet. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation. We've been praying for a young lady who goes to our church, Shannon, who uh, their daughter was in a situation just this last week where uh, there was a brain contusion and they, they thought they were going to have to do emergency surgery and you want to talk about praying. All of a sudden, you learn how. You need God to move. Man. But she's good. Sayla uh, is good. She's out of the hospital. Everything's wonderful. Man, but I mean, I, I can hear her desperation in her Facebook posts. 
said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and he is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Let me stop there. But they could not heal him. Uh, up to this point, let me give you a little bit of background. Jesus, the whole model of Christianity is that his disciples would become like him. So when he leaves the earth, his disciples would carry on his teachings, his patterns, his anointings, and his love and his generosity and his compassion. And so Jesus, he spoke over his 12 disciples and he said, come here, guys. Uh, you're going to go and you're going to duplicate yourselves. You're going to make 12. You're going to make 12. You're going to make 12. You're going to keep on. This multiplication is going to keep going. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you guys right now to go heal the sick. I'm going to send you out right now to go love, to go tell people how to get closer to, to me, to the Father. I'm going to send you guys right now. And so go and go heal the sick. And so the disciples would. They would go into little villages, two by two, and, uh, two by two, and they, would, they would preach, hey, the kingdom of God is at hand. God is doing great things. If anyone needs any kind of miracle in their life or they need God to do something, come over. We want to pray for you. And they'd pray for them, and they, they, it was kind of like an altar call. And they'd pray, for, and miracles would happen all over the scripture. But in this circumstance, what we see is, is odd is that the disciples prayed, and it didn't happen. And I don't know if any of you are feeling anything like I have. You ever, you ever prayed and felt like your prayers aren't powerful? You ever pray and feel like, why am I even praying? I don't know if this is, is it even working? Well, Jesus had a word for the disciples in the very next verse that I feel like was very close to what he was saying to me, and I believe he's saying to our church today. Now, hold on. Before I show you this verse, I want you to know that you're either going to grow or you're not going to grow. You're either going to choose to follow the Lord and get closer to Him or just watch Him for the rest of your life. But I'm telling you, there's something so wonderful about being with Him and doing His will. There's something so wonderful about walking in God's will. I want to show you this next verse, man. This is, it was cool. Jesus kind of, this is the, the, the Scripture's first uh, face palm. I don't know, and, and, uh, uh, and so this is where Jesus kind of is like, so they, I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him, and Jesus kind of just, yep. He says this, you unbelieving and perverse generation, he replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon inside of him, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Now, there's a couple things that's happening in this verse I want to be aware of. One, most people in our culture would diagnose this boy with some kind of clinical, and Jesus got right to the heart of it. Now, I don't always feel comfortable saying stuff like that, but he, hey, hey, this is a devil. That's the problem. No person would want to hurt themselves the way this boy is doing. There's a devil in this kid. We need to address it. I love that, first of all. I love that the disciples already had the anointing to cast out devils, and were doing it. Something inside me wants to be able to, to pray for my mom when she gets sick, to pray for Selah when she gets sick. I, there's something inside me that wants to know that people can call on me also that I am becoming like Jesus. Please understand, guys, the heartbeat of this church is not for when your friends or family get sick that you call your pastor. Please call your pastor. But God has anointed you. 
just as much as he's anointed me. Now, I hope not. I hope that I'm anointed more than you. I hope that I'm anointed more than, than Pastor Carl Strader and every other pastor in this world. I hope that I got more of anointing than T.D. Jakes. May happen. I don't know. I want God more than anyone else. And I pray that you want God more than me. And I pray that there's something inside of you that doesn't want to be the same person that you were yesterday. That you want to be greater and you want to be greater for the Lord. Because at the end of our life, what's going to matter more? That you, were, you, you created a better video game Atari guy? Great job. You know, you built his character way up. And that means nothing in eternity. I think God wants to do something radical in our lives. And it starts in this verse. Jesus found a problem. The problem was that they were an unbelieving and a perverse generation. And I believe that these same two problems are happening in our culture. What does it mean, unbelieving? Unbelieving means that the disciples, they were not connected to God like they were supposed to be. There was, there was an, a, a, a misconnect. They weren't connected to God. And what do I mean by that? When you're connected to someone, you understand who they are and what they're capable of. And there became a misconnection. And so I wonder right now in our life, I think that these are the two problems. This is, this is the message today. Unbelieving and perverse generation. What in us right now is not connected to God? How do we get back to staying connected with God? What did it look like that one time when you were connected with God and you were firing on all cylinders? I don't want to put the words in your mouth today, but what does it look like? Shaza, what, what, is, what is a practice that you do when you're connected with God? What's it look like? One thing. Awesome. David Hill, where are you at? What's one thing that you do? Awesome. Bill. I focus more on other people instead of my own stuff and life. Wow, that's awesome. Rico. Oh, man. Hey. <laughs> Got it. Tasha. Great. Bill, or Howard. Wonderful. We've got to get back to being connected. Now, here's the thing. I know that some of you right now are doing fantastic spiritually, and yet God is still calling you higher. But there are some right now that feel like their car is stuck in mud, and they hit the gas pedal, and it's not moving. And in situations like this, when the, when the disciples came to Jesus, and they're like, man, I don't, I don't know what to do in this situation, Lord. We've got to get back to being connected to the Lord. The problem is that we're not connected enough to God. One of the greatest ways we can do this is getting into His Scripture. The other problem was that we were a perverse generation. And this problem being that we were, we were not connected enough to God, but we were too connected to the world. Not connected to God, too connected to the world. And this is happening every day of our lives. How many things do we love that we are making attempt for every day in our life. I love God. I love God with all my heart. I'm pastor of your church. Everyone knows, hey, Pastor Tim loves God. He's passionate about God. There are other things that sometimes I try harder to make attempt for than Jesus. Isn't that awful? And when I look at this verse, I feel like God is screaming right at me. 
not connect it to God and connect it to the world. And both of these are wrong. And he's saying, this is the problem. This is why you can't heal. Bring the boy to me and I'll do it. You're not connected enough to me, and you're, and you're too connected to the world. And what does that look like? I don't, I don't want to fill in the blank to, for you to be connected to the world, but what is it in your life that you know? Is, is not, it may not even necessarily be wrong, but maybe it is wrong. Or maybe it's just too much of other stuff that life is throwing at you right now, and it's overwhelming you. So as we dive further in this verse, man, right now, I don't know about you, but I want to be hungry for God. And I want to be a disciple, and I want to grow, and no one else can help me grow but me. They say that if you're the problem, then you're the solution. And so here's the good news. If you sow, you will reap. He that sows in the Spirit will reap in the Spirit. If you want to grow closer to the Lord, you can grow closer to Jesus. Amen. Brady, can you help me with the air conditioning, please? I love you. Thank you. Fantastic. It's the fire of God up in this beat. Whew. I've been loving this cold weather. I don't know about you guys, man. It's been fantastic. It's been good. Not connected enough to God to connect it with the world. Jesus would go on. So not only does he tell us what the problem is in the situation and the reason why the disciples can't cast out the devil, because they're too connected to the world and not connected enough to Jesus, but he also gives us the solution. I love that. So he brings the boy over to him, and he casts it out. And I'm going to read to you here uh, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 14. Nope. Yep. Verses 4, nope, that's not true. Matthew chapter 17, verses 19 through 21, uh, here in the NKJV. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately, and they said, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For as surely as I say to you, if you had faith as, as, as a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. For nothing is impossible for you who believe. However, this kind does not go out without, without, except without prayer and fasting. This kind does not move except without prayer and fasting. So what he was saying was the problem was that you were not connected enough to God and you were too connected to the world. But the other problem is that you were now connected to the Lord. Thank you. I appreciate it, bro. Uh, you're too connected to the Lord. Nope. Lord, help. Amen. The problem was you were not connected to the Lord and connected with the world. But now he's saying that the solution is prayer and fasting. And so what prayer does is it reconnects you to God. And here's what I know. Some of us, when we aren't staying connected with God, when our prayer lives are not doing good, here's what happens. We respond to situations based out of ideas of what we think God can do. I know God can heal that person. Right? We all know God can heal that guy of cancer. God can, he can raise that dead person up. God can do anything. There's nothing God can't do. But the difference is, is that when you're meeting with God, when you're having relationship with God, that doesn't come out of knowledge. It comes out of knowing. What I mean is, when I'm sitting with God in the morning, and I'm in my truck, or wherever you pray, or you're on your back porch, or you're, when, you're, when you're meeting with God, and he comes. There is nothing in the world like it to know that the God that created the universe, the guy that made Mars, is sitting with you, hanging out with you. Now you know his faithfulness and his ability. And that's what changes it. 
That's what changes everything. That's what gives you faith. When you meet with him and you know he loves you, he wants to be with you, he is going to be with you everywhere you go, every circumstance that you get into. Now when you find someone with a problem, it's far easier and builds your confidence because you're connected to God to know God wants to be in this situation. It's far easier to apply faith now because it's not just knowledge it's not the ability that yeah of course god can do everything yeah god can can make an orange tree out of that apple tree why not he's god he can also make me smart tomorrow it may not happen you know what i mean but what i know is when i'm connected to god it may not it doesn't my intelligence doesn't matter what matters is my faith i know who he is because i met with him today and that changes the outcome of whatever situation i'm dialed into if your car breaks down i know who rides with me I know who starts my car. There's a lot of circumstances in our life where we've been disconnected with God, and because we've been disconnected, we're dialed, we are connected to the world, and so we've learned some, some stinking thinking that's been inundating us from all different circumstances. And now what we do is we just relate to everything. Someone's sick, oh, I'm sorry, man, I feel bad for you. God wants you to influence that circumstance. I'm not talking about some health issue. What I'm talking about is every situation that you've got right now that you are doubting. It's a, it's a job situation. It's a financial situation. I am, t- I'm not, I, I am actually prophesying right now. I'm not trying to be cute or trying to put cute words together. God wants to anoint you to be an influence in the situation that is currently overwhelming you. You are not stuck in Jesus' name. The other problem is that God, so God, the answer is that God wants you to be connected to God in prayer and in fasting, he simply wants you to disconnect from the world. That's what fasting is. We can dial it up to a lot of different things, but the bottom line of fasting is you disconnecting from the things that you love. My wife said it earlier, I was in a church in um, uh, Tulsa and uh, I was struck by a sign they had on their wall, and I didn't tell my wife how it affected me, but she found a picture of it in my phone, and it affected her. And she said, she quoted this morning, I mean, it, it rocked me. And the quote was, that we give up things we love for things we love more. I know you love God. but Do you love God more than dot, dot, dot? Do you? And do you want your love for God to be greater and what does that look like? Because here's what I know is that I control the, con- the condition of, of the, the, the soil of my heart in which God gives all the increase. But when I'm sacrificing for, you know what? I never understood why we love children. I couldn't understand it. They cry in the middle of the night and take my sleep. <laughs> Sounds awful. They poop. We're potty training my daughter right now. It's awful. She pooped on me twice yesterday. On me. On me. Why do I love her? She does nothing that benefits my life. Here's what I know. I know why I love her. It's called sacrifice. You don't understand love until you sacrifice for something. Why do you love your job? Because it's cost you so much to keep it. You work so hard just to get there on time. That's why you stay. The things that you sacrifice most for will be the things that become extravagantly in love with in your heart. You want to love Jesus more? 
Turn up the level of sacrifice in your life. I know you're already doing a lot. Listen, when I look at the cross, I got some ground I got to make up. Because we love him because he first loved us. So now I want to love him. And the way I want to love him is the way he loved me. What I do know about being in a relationship with God as a pastor, I always want to remind you, you do not have to fast. God will love you just as you are. There is nothing that you have to do or nothing you can do to make God love you more. But there is things that you can do to make you love God more. I know that God loves sacrifice. I know it. He always has. Now, Jesus fulfilled everything that I can give, but I have seen it every time in my life. When I give above and beyond, God blesses me. When I pray longer than, I, than, I, than I, I'm just doing my duty, he blesses me. When I'm sowing seeds into other families, God blesses me. I know that God loves sacrifice, and he loves your sacrifice, and he's watching it. And when you're dialing up the temperature of the throne room of your heart, he's moving on it, and he's breathing on it. There was a problem God's disciples, Jesus' disciples had. There was a situation that they encountered that they couldn't move. And they didn't know how to deal with it. And he said, the problem is, is that we're unbelieving and we're perverse. We're not connected enough to him and we're too connected to the world. And the solution that he gave us was that we get connected again to him. And we disconnect from this world. And man, I can't think of a greater word from God for our church in this day, in this time. I don't know what is the world looks like to you. It may be social media. It may be, for me, there is no greater fast than for me to give up food. <laughs> there is nothing I love more than food. I want you to know it. I literally need it to live, and I love it every second of the day. I can't pass an M&M when I see one on the counter. It's mine. I'm going to destroy that thing. It's mine. There is nothing that I won't eat. I love it all. I just, I love it. Even if it's bad, I love it. I'll eat McDonald's. I love it. I don't care. I love food. It's a great sacrifice for me. I don't know what your sacrifice is, but I do know that it is massively biblical. Jesus said it to, to, to the, uh, some of the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 through 15. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast so often, and, but your disciples, they don't fast? And Jesus said to them, uh, can, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away, and then they will fast. And this is what they did, man. When Jesus died, what launched the move of God on earth, after the perfect and greatest sacrifice was given, the disciples fasted and prayed. And they fasted and prayed. And they fasted and prayed. And God gave them the Holy Spirit. And then they fasted and prayed. And God gave them more moves of God and more moves of God and more moves of God. And you can see it up into Acts 13, chapter 1. He, uh, Acts 13, verse 1. They were talking about how they, 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 they know there was a missionary journey. We've got to start sending people across the world. Who are we going to send? Let's fast and pray. They're fasting and praying, and the Holy Spirit speaks to them and says, send Paul and Silas, and they go. Fasting and prayer is a model of the church, but it's one that is, a, is, is not a very popular scenario. Why? Because the popular scenario of today's church is I'll do it if I win. Like, what, 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 makes, what benefits me? I don't know a greater benefit for you or for your spouse than less of you and more of him. 
That's what your spouse is praying for, I can tell you right now. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what they want to see. Less of you, more of him. Uh, that's what I want, Trey. I don't know about anyone else. I'm just kidding. Less of you, more of him. I got jokes. I made that part up. All right. Um, I'll go into one last verse here, and then I'll call it quits. Um, disconnect from the world. Connect with God. What is that for you? Now, let me stop for a second. Shaza, I challenge you in this season to fast with me. Melinda, I challenge you in this season to fast with me. Dustin, I challenge you in this season to fast with me. There's a few people here. Anthony, God specifically put you on my heart. I challenge you to fast with me. Will, I challenge you to fast with me. Here's, here's, here's the question, guys. Fasting without prayer it's called starving. I don't need you to starve for Jesus. Nah, we live in America. He ain't calling us to do that. Let's just face it. There is one ingredient that is m- m- critical, and that's prayer. I want to see God do something great in some of our lives. Jeremy, I'd like to see you join me. Dial up your prayer life. Less of God, more of him. Let me read you this verse. What, is, what does a fast look like? All right, I'll break it down for you. 2 Samuel chapter 24, 24 and 25. This is King David. There was a sin that was going on in his life that was affecting Israel. And a prophet came to him and revealed this to him. And so David realized he was going to make a sacrifice for the Lord. He was going to deal with this situation. But the king replied, no, I insist on paying you for it. He was, that, this, this guy came to him and said, look, I'll give you my sheep. You're the king, I'll give them to you. And David says, nope, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to pay for these sheep. I got to pay for this sacrifice. I will not sacrifice to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David brought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David built an altar there and sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. And then the Lord answered his prayer in behalf of the land, and the plague on Israel had stopped. I won't sacrifice what costs me nothing. If it doesn't cost you something, I don't, I'm not interested in secondhand gifts. You know what I mean? Like, if it's used, thanks, cool. But, like, really? Is it, like, your, your throwback? Is it your tip? He's number one. He deserves the greatest efforts of anything in our life. Fasting is not our attempt to get to God. It's our attempt to disarm ourselves of everything else that we love so we can love one thing more clearly. What happens if you're fasting right, it's going to be hard. There's going to be headaches. There's going to be some muscle aches. It's going to be difficult. But there's going to be a heart cry. And you know what happens all day long is this. Oh, man, I'm hungry. Golly, you know what? I'm hungry for God. That's why I'm doing this, because I'm starving for Jesus. And you realize what you're after again in your life. You get single-minded, and it's beautiful, man. You start getting hungry for God. You start craving, and then your faith starts building. And then you start wanting to see God do something great. Let me stop you right there. Before we fast, what do you want to see God do in your life? If God can do something great in your life, what do you want it to look like? 
I think this is a big deal for our church right now. I can't remember a time. We fast all the time. I mean, we, most of the time we do this twice a year. Um, we, we skipped it this August because I didn't want to. Sorry. <laughs> Last August we did it, and we did it in January. We I don't, I don't know what fasting is. Let me be more specific. Some people aren't going to like this. This may not be theology, theologically correct, but I don't need you to do the Daniel fast, and I don't need you to do the Jesus fast, and I don't need you to do the, you know the fast I want you to do? The Howard fast, the Brian fast, the Bill fast, the, the Bill fast, that's a good one. I, I maybe. What does that mean? It means when Daniel did his first vegetable fast, I don't think it was ever meant to be written down and coined and duplicated by hundreds of millions of people. And what I mean by that, it was him giving something that was a sacrifice in his life to Christ. Your sacrifice may look like three hours less of sleep every night for prayer and worship and Bible reading. Your sacrifice may look like no sugar. And I ain't going to judge you for that. If that you think is worthy of the cross, then that is, that's, I'll tell you right now, <laughs> That's hard for me. I can tell you right now, I ain't going to pass them on some cupcakes, man. Uh, but um, turn it up. Turn it up in your life because it's the difference of someone that's religious and someone that, that's hungry for God. Because then you're not following me. You, you are after something, and you, you're not going to get it here on Sunday morning. And that's awesome. Because there is people coming to you in your life at your workplace that are saying, hey, can you pray for my son? And I don't want to be the guy that says, uh, no, but I, I know someone else that can pray for him. Because God put me there to be the hands and feet of his kingdom. And I want to have an anointing that makes a difference in that person's life in that moment. Man, I feel like this is a really powerful word. I feel like it's terrible, you know? Like people are, like, I hear people like heart beating right now. Like, oh, this is going to be awful. can't believe he's making me do this. I'm not. I'm not. No one is. In fact, God loves you just the same tomorrow regardless. He's, 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 you, you win. He loves you. He adores you. He adores you when you're a hot mess. I will also say that if you are struggling with a particular sin issue, fasting is a great way to overcome because it takes authority over your flesh's cravings. It's a great way of saying, I am, my spirit is stronger than my flesh. You can read that in Romans chapter 8, 7 and 8. I got nothing else. Here's what I got. Fasting without prayer is starving. We give up things we love for things that we love even more. We want to disconnect from the world so we can connect more with the Lord. And this only works if we actually pray. On the app, the Way Community Church app, we've got multiple resources for you. One, we've got some daily prayers um, for, the, for the church. So we've got some things, people we want you to pray for, situations. We're praying for our new church building. We're pr- I don't know if you guys know that, but we've been praying that for like 18 years now. We're waiting for this thing to happen. God. We got some other things on there. We have, uh, um, Lacey put something that was pretty cool. It's a prayer model. If you struggle with prayer, will you just raise your hand right now? We have a prayer model that are four really cool things that you want to do. It's, it's four postures that you want to have 
as you're doing prayer. One of it is surrendering. One of it is, is, is praising. Uh, check it out. It's on there. Um, and then there's some resources that you could go to to learn more about fasting. If your doctor says that this is not a wise thing to do, then consider that <laughs> strongly, I guess. Is that a good way to say it, Bill? Sure. Um, Lord Jesus, we're hungry for you. Not for church. I love church. I love church because I love being with these people. The Bullocks. The Ramos. The Kelsos. I love seeing these families come together. But I'm after you, Lord. And I pray for all of us in this room right now, God, that you would make us as devoted to you as you are to us. We repent right now in Jesus' name of forgetting to seek you first. In everything in our life, we want you to be there and to exist at work and exist in our finances and exist in our friendships and exist in our relationships. And God, we want you to be everywhere. We love you because you love us first. Teach us to stir our hearts to be more hungry for you than anything else in this world. I love you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And all God's people said, we love you, Pastor Tim. <laughs> all right, guys. More of him, less of you. I'll see you next week. I love you. Or prayer on Saturday. <laughs>